Greetings, holiday shoppers. There are now just 309 shopping days left until Christmas Day. I believe you know what that means. That means it's time for another episode of Christmas Creeps, your one-stop shop for holiday movies and TV shows all year round. Since 2015, we've been putting this show on for you fine people, and we're, there's no sign of us stopping yet. Uh, hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my co-host, Johnny Five, the human robot. Hello, hello. Hello, John. And also our our other co-host, esteemed guest and panelist, whatever you want to call him, man of all trades, uh, Mr. Bradford is here as well. Brad. So what becomes of you, my love, when they have finally stripped you of the handbags and the glad rags that your poor old granddad had to sweat <laughs> to buy you? That was terrible. Yes, and I apologize for nothing. That's the second best version of that song I've ever heard. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, hey, it is uh, the middle of December. Not- Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know when it is anymore. Here's the problem uh, hey, with that song, so, yeah. though. Is that okay. all Tom Jones songs are obsolete because he recorded Sex Bomb and it's the best. So, like, you don't need any other songs. You could just use that for everything. <sighs> it, it's you know, always the middle of December in, in our world, if you think about it. But, yes. The, yeah, the and, now I, and now I can't. Stance. Now I cannot cut that part of the episode. So thanks for that. Thanks for uh, <laughs> <laughs> making my job Fucking just a little owned. bit easier. Trap oh, sprung. We have to be on point on these shows, or else one of these two is going to just completely screw things up for me. But you know what? That's the job, and that's kind of uh, that's what I signed up for. But uh, yeah, anyway, hi, welcome to Christmas Creeps. Uh, we are in the middle of, uh, I guess, the bleakest of midwinters. At the, as we record this, I'm getting ready to crack open my cold one right now, and it doesn't sound like anything because it's a ca- uh, bottle, and that's fine. Oh, got hey, something. There we Damn, go. that spiked when I did that. No, that was me, not him. That was you, yeah. I heard the bottle open, too. We're good. Okay, okay. We're all enjoying so, yeah, a we, nice bev. We, it's a Christmas party here on Christmas Creeps this week as we're discussing... Uh, the 2003 uh, Christmas special of the UK version of The Office. Uh, which, okay, We're... yeah, there's there's a lot to a lot of moving parts to this uh, phenomenon. So I feel like we can just jump right in at any old point. Um, but gentlemen, um, The Office. Uh, mm-hmm. what, initial thoughts on the, the Christmas special or in general? Uh, uh, in general. Oh man! Specifically, the British office. We're not going to touch the the American office. I feel um, like it's the elephant in the room that needs to be addressed, though. What the American office? I'll just say the elephant with, in the office with the American office. The American office is kind of a logical progression of what season two started to turn into of the UK yeah. one. If they would have kept making it, which um, Merchant and Gervais specifically decided not to. That's why they did the Christmas special because they didn't want to do a season three, so they just wrapped the plot up in a Christmas special. Yeah, but kind of some of the, a lot of loose ends. Yeah, but some of the characters we will get into a lot of the character development that kind of started in two that wasn't in one kind of fed into what made the U.S. office. And yes. I'd say the biggest difference with the U.S. office is that all of the characters in the U.S. office, by and large, are meant to be like more obviously sympathetic characters. Yes, they're more likable, even, yeah. With, with I think and, the with, big thing about the UK office versus the US office is the general assumption about humanity. Yeah. Um, and I... And I hmm. Did either of you read an article, um, an AV Club interview from 2007 with Ricky Gervais about um, extras in the office, by any chance, before no, you... No, no I, I missed that. Okay, well, it's good, because I'm going to ask you a question from that. Um, Because they asked Ricky Gervais about, like, character likability, and he said that there were only two characters in the UK series you were meant to actually dislike. Can you think of who those two characters are? Uh, The manager of the warehouse and kind of uh, David Brent. Finch, you're wrong on both counts. Finchy is definitely one of them. Finchy, okay, I got one. Yes. Who's the other one? It's been a long time since, I think I watched the UK Office. Netflix says I watched it, but I really don't remember when I, I think I watched it maybe 10 years ago or something. The other character he says is meant to be unlikable is Neil. Which one's Neil? Neil is, Neil is the manager who kind of replaced David. Oh, he's Toby, basically, but for the British office. He's the, like, the main, like, branch head or whatever guy. Yes. Okay. 
Fair enough. Which, because, I mean, it's obvious with Finch, because Finch is just an out-and-out bully. You know, it's yeah. it's very blatant. Yeah. But with Neil, it's kind of more insidious, because Neil's the kind of guy where... Uh, Neil is Homer Simpson's to David Brent's Frank Grimes, is really all I can say. Someone who... He, I, I, don't, I don't know about... That. See, I... I I feel like that's a that falls on Ricky Gervais as a person. Well, well, Ricky Gervais I, I created Ricky Gervais any, created the fucking thing, so I'll trust his judgment on what he says to that. that no, the no, show I know, but I, I never got any inclination from Neil that he was anything other than just like a straight up businessman. Like David yeah. Brand is pretty clearly kind of an imbecile. Yeah. Can I just tell you, Joe? Neil it's is... because of your personal history, and I won't get into that, but. The idea is basically Neil well, no, is a guy. No, no, who's... no. I'm, I, what I'm what I'm saying is I I don't see anything in the like specifically in the show that says that Neil is a bad person. He just is a businessman. Like if if that's the, if that is the one, uh, if that if that's like the the one thing that makes him a uh, no, unlikable person in the show, then then fuck fuck all of us, I guess. No, the idea is that Neil is someone who's had all of his successes in life handed to him. Like just he he's not really had to work for anything and he doesn't appreciate anything he's had because all David has ever wanted to do in his life is just to be like liked and successful to some extent. And Neil gets that without okay. even trying. That's why I'm saying okay, it's but not at what really point he, in the series. Does, do they spell that out? Do he's they, kind do of they a, acknowledge that he's kind of a dick in the Christmas special. Yeah, that's that's where he, like, he knows that David doesn't have a date and he's like stringing him along and giving him a hard time. Like, I can see how he's painted as an unlikable character. I can see it. I, yeah, I get I mean, where you're going with the he's just I'll, a businessman thing. I'll but... give you that. I'll give you that one, that he's, like, giving it back to David as much as he's taken it. But, like, the rest of it, I don't, I don't know. I just don't see it. Exactly. It uh, again, I'm going to compare them. It's like Homer Simpson and Frank Grimes. No one sees it but Frank Grimes. And Grimes is just absolutely beside himself how can you like this guy he's such a like, careless asshole and anything he's been given in life he doesn't appreciate any of it and it's just been dropped in his lap because remember the only reason neil got promoted is because david failed his physical david was the one who got the promotion in the at the end of season one mm. hang, hang on getting into it hot and heavy um yeah uh because I, I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, I, this is going to be like a referendum on the entire series. That's like. what well, this episode is basically. That's what, that's what I was thinking about with with rewatching it, though. Is it? It's really hard not to feel sorry for David Brent, like because you can you kind of see exactly who he is. Because compare him to Tim, and I think Tim really needs to be looking at David and being like there for, there but for the grace of God, pretty much because. David is a guy who is incredibly lonely in his 40s, and the only thing he has going for them is the fact that he's a manager of a small branch of this fucking paper company. And, right. and he's been stripped of even that in the Christmas special we, much, we yeah. must mention. And uh, you kind of get the idea yeah. that he's the kind of guy who had some like mild to middling success with like a band in like high school or something like that. That never really took off, but he still has that kind of Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite episode of if things had gone a little differently. Um, yeah. Because and, and hey, guess what? That's that sounds a lot like a, a certain uh, TV personality that that is in this show. Yeah, it sounds an awful lot like Ricky Gervais himself. Um, yeah. So we should address the other elephant in the office, which is that Ricky Gervais at this point in 2019 has gone oh, basically full fool. milkshake duck. Yeah. Like he's doing things like <laughs> posting pictures of himself laughing and being like, "Oh, I'm laughing at the thing you're not supposed to laugh out, aren't I, a naughty boy?" Um. Did you? I, I don't want to get too much into, like, internet drama, but you guys have had to have seen this. This is probably five years old at this point, where somebody, like, subtweeted about Ricky Gervais being a bad comedian, and then Ricky Gervais finds the post, and he's like, why don't you at me, you spineless coward, or something like that, and the person just said, are you offended? And then he got blocked by Ricky Gervais. <laughs> oh, Chelsea Clinton name searches on Twitter, by the way. Oh, yeah, I, I did see that recently <laughs> as well. Yeah. Speaking of so, do nothing uh, worthless assholes, no, I, Chelsea Clinton. As, as far as as far as Ricky Gervais in 2019 goes, like my favorite thing about one of my favorite things about Twitter right now is that you can tell, like, a, 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 you can tell who is who on Twitter because like I see a lot of people who have used that that picture of Ricky Gervais where he's holding the microphone stand and he's kind of standing like in, in a Jesus Christ pose. Yes. Yeah, God, that picture. just to be a piece of shit. And people are people are using that ironically as their own picture, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. I'm the fuck on dude 
Yeah, Ugh. it's uh, it's pretty bad now. And let's let's go ahead and just call it. Is is the UK office the height of Ricky Gervais's career, basically? Because he's he's really good as David Brent, but I can't I would say really. Other than probably the, is the, like the peak. The what extras? Yeah, the show he did after the office. I think it's probably his peak. Okay. Also, I I did like back in the day. I really like the like the podcast, the Ricky Gervais show with Merchant and uh, Pilkington. I, I think is, probably the, is all time. The biggest problem with Gervais is kind of the problem that happens with a lot of comedians is they have a certain chronological point where they kind of hit their prime and they mm-hmm. never move on from that point. Yeah, it's it's why you have a lot of like late eighties, early nineties SNL people are just now like reactionary right wing dipshits on Twitter. Hey, Louis kind C.K., of. how's it going? Well, it's more talking uh, to Dennis Miller, but... It's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dennis Miller is the big one, really. But, yeah, like, Victoria but, Jackson no, is that I... way, too. Unfortunately, Norm MacDonald is really bad. And that's, that's one that makes me the saddest. Oh. I think that's... I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna jump into that pool, just because, like, I feel like it's a lot of old comedians not understanding new comedy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And... They, they, they never moved on from yeah. the 90s. They really never did, but um, yeah, like if, I, I watched some of the behind-the-scenes stuff uh, for the, this version of The Office last night, and a lot of it really does strike me as just like, okay, so Stephen Merchant obviously had sort of this vision of like a, a docu- mockumentary series about an office. He had that in his head already, and then Ricky Gervais kind of teamed up with him and pounced on it as a means of like, oh, hey, this is my in, and he rode that as hard as he could, and now we're stuck with him. I mean, I, I I don't I don't know I I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, I I don't I don't really care how you feel about Gervais nowadays, but David Brent was one of like the best tragic comedic characters yeah. during that age. Like mm. it, it's a good performance. Like yeah, you're right. You do feel sorry for him. He's he's just the most pathetic you know, I mean, human being on this planet in this universe, and it's like, I don't know. It's I mean, you, funny, and you, it's I mean, cringeworthy. Just, just, it's just so imagine good. being a person on TV who is intensely aware of all times that there's a camera on you and feel the need to perform, but you have absolutely no idea what you're supposed to be doing. Like, he, it, it is impossible for him to act natural. He has no idea how. Like, everything has to be a performance with him when the camera's on. And it's so good. I mean, like again, I can think of certain certain famous people that are like constantly on TV right now that that definitely applies to, and I, I don't want I can't say it started here with with David Brent, but he's definitely yeah you're right like one of the big archetypes of that kind of person, and and that's kind of what I was getting at with like the failed high school band because he's the kind of guy who's like felt like success has like slipped him by, and he views like just the fact that there's a camera around him as this is his big chance to do anything. But he, well, yeah, you he, get he has no idea, and... no idea at all what to do. <laughs> that you get into that with the Christmas special because he he has the single that he releases yes. uh, with settlement money, which yes. is very good. I, I like that. And that then, nice note too. Like, yeah, it was his. He got he got laid off because his position was eliminated, and then he sued them because they gave Gareth his old position. Yeah, and then uh, and then, then, and then he, they, they make the point of saying that like he he blew all of his uh, settlement money to the tune of like forty two thousand dollars to produce the single forty two thousand pounds, which is pounds. like yeah. sixty grand at least. <laughs> yep. um, Back then, that might have been a one to do exchange rate. Yeah, that's closing in on a hundred k spent on this fucking thing. Yeah. Um, so, but it also gets into it that he's doing these these public appearances. I guess we should actually get into the plot of the Christmas yeah. special. Sure. And, and 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 the Christmas special definitely ties into a lot of things that had had just been happening at the end of season two. Like David Brent had just given this sort of weird motivational speech that really goes over very poorly, and they don't they don't hire him on to give more speeches. But that kind of feeds into the Christmas special where he's now making these sort of public appearances after the the documentary of The Office has has gone to television. Right, where he's become like sort of like this D-list celebrity where they, they roll him out and say, hey, remember this guy? Like, if you remember, like, Kitchen Nightmares, there was that Amy's Baking Company episode where there's that, that, that lady that's just really weird. It's yeah. kind of, he's kind of like that level. Yeah, like, he's um, like, he's like above, like, he's like above Puck from one of the first seasons of Real World, but like below, like, Bo Deedle, pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's like when anytime somebody gets famous off of like um, Big Brother or Survivor or even like American Idol, and they get trotted out at like a state fair or something, and like, hey, well, remember this guy from Big Brother? Okay, yeah. What do you do? <laughs> uh, oh wait, no, sorry, nothing. I got it. It's, it's, he's Kinbone. He's Kinbone. There we go. He's Kinbone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's Kinbone. Yeah. So they actually they actually get into that, and I thought it was a really great scene and during his first public appearance in the special, where he's like, "What do you do now?" And he's just like, "Just do these." He's like, "So <laughs> yes. what are you planning on doing?" He's like, "Just some public appearances." Like more of these. <laughs> like, like they're they're asking him like what he does with his life, and he's like, "I don't know. I'm here. What do you want from me?" Like it's a very like it's it's almost a, like an like a anti comedy bit. But he's being Oh, it's sincere. absolutely... Yeah. No, no, like, yeah. it, it, you, you would expect, like, that's, like, an anti-comedy thing, but he's being sincere. Yeah, yeah. That's Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he, he he's not... It's not a bit, it's not a joke. He is 100%, like, kind of floundering right now. Okay. On stage, on uh, purpose. All right, let's 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 blitz through this, because I could probably finish this in five minutes. Um, Do it to it, Brad. So we, we can get back to just talking about it. Am I breaking up or something? What's up? No, no, I, I said no, I just said do it. Oh, okay. Thanks, all right, yeah, um... I'm going to, when I give this summary, I'm going to assume that you have seen the UK office at least up to the end of the second season, aka series, but have not seen the Christmas special yet. So it's three years after, or is it two or, it's like two or three years after the, after the end of the mockumentary or the documentary, the in-universe documentary that the BBC did called The Office. And we find that David Brent is a... He's traveling around the southern UK as a cleaning supply salesman, uh, but always drops into the to the to Wernham Hog, uh, where most of the same people are still working there. Tim is still working there. Uh, Gareth has be has taken over David's job. There's a new receptionist in the place of Dawn, and then pretty much all the old gang is is more or less there. Uh, Dawn and Lee are living in Florida where they're just kind of living with a relative rent-free and Don is picking up odd jobs like babysitting. And I think it's implied that they've outstayed their visa and they're just hanging out. Oh, she said it's, uh, it's, 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 it's explicit. She says, oh, we're oh, being a bit naughty. We've overstayed our visa. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're in Florida. I think and it's in... not so much even like an odd job of babysitting because I think they pretty much say that it's like her her sister in law's baby. Yeah, they're just they're oh, just yeah. being stay in caretakers for for a baby. But the exactly. people that are the in universe thing is that they are doing a like a where are they now sort of view. Yeah, of yeah. everybody at the office, and they offer to fly Lee and Dawn back to Slough to to meet up with with the, all of the rest of the the cast of the office so to speak. Uh Tim still hasn't gotten over Dawn and he hears this. Uh and it's around Christmas time, which we should mention, especially in the case of this podcast. Um David Brent is still his pathetic self and he's doing public appearances at bars after his work traveling around the country and basically living in in hotels. Uh, but always finds time to stop by Wernham Hog and bug everybody. I want to hit uh, on the uh, like the dating game show that he does. Yes, where it's it's the gimmick of the dating game thing. It's actually it's not even televised; it's like a bar. But it's like three minor celebrities. Like there's a guy from Big Brother, from, a guy, yeah. a guy then, who's famous from being in ads for like having a catchphrase, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's like then, insurance commercials or something. Yeah, and then and then David Brent is there dressed as Austin Powers because he tries <laughs> too fucking hard at everything he does. It's so bad. It's so good. Uh, um, yeah, that's a that's a very good one. But we're treated to these bits where he's just like he's out doing PAs and absolutely bombing and managing to ruin every single one of them, and it's it's pathetic and it's wonderful and it's great. Um. He has Let's a manager see. who man- mainly manages like lookalikes and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, subplot is that David Brent is getting into online dating with the help of, help of Gareth, and he's trying to find a date for this Christmas party that Wernham Hogg is having because I guess offices in the UK invite ex employees to their Christmas parties. I don't know how this works. Um, I, I would guess probably like Gareth invited him as a friend or something like that. You yeah, know? or like his plus one, basically. Um, but then, but then they also like they sell tickets to the party, right? 
because like David David specifically buys two tickets and yeah. they're like, oh, for second tickets for whom? And he's like, oh, you know, the, my new special lady in my life. And he's like, oh, we're glad to meet her. And that's what kind of prompts him to get into this online dating because he needs to find a date for this party yeah. so that he can show Neil up at the party. And then we're we're treated to a couple of funny but pathetic and awful scenes where David Brent is being extremely shallow. When it comes to his dates that he's set up with in this matching service, or and in one case, he calls them. He's like, yeah, you probably already know me. I was in the office. He's like, oh, you're not that awful awful manager, are you? And then he <laughs> friggin' hangs up on her, basically. Um, the one date he's, we uh, see him on, he's with a woman who... It's it's a it's a heavyset middle-aged woman who sent a picture of her like 10 years ago to the dating service. But he didn't do much better with his picture because he sent like a, he sent like a almost like a teen pinup picture of himself. It's, it's like a glamour <laughs> shot yes, where he's like exactly. his shirt is open. And he autographed it for like because it's like one of his headshots, basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. What else is there? This is, I mean, this is kind of all of the yeah, the working parts of the plot. Yeah, there's two parts of it, and the first the first part is basically everything we just described, and then the next night in 2004, this part two aired, which is the actual party itself. Wait, so this these two aired a year apart? No, they aired a day apart. Oh, one was Chris. One was New Year's Eve. One was New Year's Day. No, no, one was no one was like the 26th, and one was the 27th of like 2004. Oh. Oh okay. Oh, because the t- the stamp on the end was two thousand and three, but I guess that's when it was filmed. It's 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 two thousand three. Yeah, two thousand three. Yeah, but yeah, they were they were they aired like a day apart the same year, um, right after Christmas that year. Oh okay, I didn't know if they did like a Sherlock thing where they aired mm-hmm. like one New Year's Eve and then one New Year's Day or whatever. Or maybe they aired on all, Christmas. In, in, I know that's a British the... thing, right? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's a British thing to basically do Christmas specials of their of their current series. Um, but like weirdly canonical Christmas specials where it's like the series hasn't had a new episode in a year and yet there's a new episode now. Right. This isn't this isn't a Christmas special where like it's a variety show starring David Brent. That would be a fucking spectacle and a half, though, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, w- I would like to see the variety come back as well. Yeah. 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 That'd be fun. I want to see Johnny Blue Jeans again. Who wants to do the second episode? <clears throat> Well, no, we we kind of started to get into it because like in the second episode it starts out and that's when when uh, David and Gareth are really like amping up the trying uh, to find him a date, trying to find him a date. Yeah, like they're really like going through all the files and like look at this one now, look at this one now, and then uh, oh, there's a really two dates. There's a really great bad joke where he's like, what is it? It's like something about he's like he's asking if there are any other women than white women and he's like well they sent me these just to just to be representative he's like pick one out of the three and then they throw the other two into the garbage it's terrible it's so bad it's it's pretty and the only the, the one they pick is the only one who, of the three who's he's smiling, smiling. it's oh man oh man oh my god so yeah that's when that's and that's when he like calls up like one of the women and then she's like oh you're not that awful guy from you know the manager from the office are you and he hangs up on <laughs> Uh, that is when uh, I think that's when the party kind of start really no no they're planning the party and Gareth has like the office planning committee to do you know what what does everybody want for this Christmas party and everyone's throwing out ideas and he's writing down everybody's ideas but Tim's and Tim is just like livid that they're doing he really he literally writes down something for the old people and yeah. Tim's like you can't just say that's an <laughs> yeah. girls for a Christmas yeah, party. Yeah, wet yeah, t-shirt yeah, contest says girls wet t-shirt contest so Gareth writes them down and because he's writing down everything anyone says he's being he's being yeah. democratic that way oh he's being democratic it's, it's very good I specifically except for Tim oh boy mm. So then the actual party kicks in, and also it's at this point that Neil really gets on David's case for showing up at the office all the time, because David, despite despite being fired and despite winning a lawsuit against the company, keeps showing up at work just to hang out. And, and so bothering on everybody. David's, yeah, bothering everybody, wasting everybody's time. So David gets on, or no, Keith, Neil gets on David's Neil. case. Neil gets Neil gets on David's case about this and basically bans him from the Christmas dinner and says, like, only current employees get to come to the Christmas dinner. Yeah, to specify the dinner and the party are two different things. Yes. Yes. Um, But But, uh, that still does not preclude him from coming to the party. Yeah, and I I just want to, I just want to, this is a point I want to make of, like, a hot take thing of when David basically asks who wants to have a drink with him the next night and the only one who says, yeah, is Tim. 
and yeah, I was gonna get into that. The one way, the obvious way to read that is just that no one gives a shit about, just gives a shit about uh, David. But the way I I choose to read it now is that the only person who's not afraid of Neil is Tim because Tim doesn't give a fuck about his job. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's especially especially after like you know he 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 asks them all out for drinks and no one says a word and then Tim's new like deskmate just like dresses him down right in front of everybody. He's like nobody wants to have a drink with you, jerk. And then Tim's just like, yeah, I'll get, I guess I will. Yeah, like, and, I, and I feel like that's more about Tim being like, "All right, I'll be the the decent human being in the room and say, sure, I'll do it." I because... think that goes back to what you were saying earlier, where where Tim has sort of this there, but for the grace of God, go I feeling towards yeah, David, that, where it's like, yeah, he's a prick and he's the worst, but he's also like he he feels bad for for David, and you know, he's a human being well, too. I, mean, I guess like, look at what look at what David is. David is David is in his like mid forties, completely lonely. All he's ever known is this company. He's not been in any relationship to speak of because there's no ex he ever mentions. You know, he's not been. In and then there, that's ex. that's Tim. Yeah, Tim that's is Tim. Basically, Tim is in, in his ten 30s. years. Yeah, Tim is in his mid thirties. Lives with his parents still because he has no prospects at all. He went to I, school for like a semester and then dropped out. Right, and explicitly states that he has no friends. Yeah, that's a good point. And and Tim was at that point, like in the first series, season series, where he ba- he he basically you know, he quits at the pre- end of the first season, and then the beginning of the second season, oh, he's back because well, what else are you going to do? Uh, so yeah, I, I, Tim really is the most sympathetic, li- the most sympathetic person in this entire show. Well, yeah, he's supposed to be the Obviously, everyman, clearly, yeah. But I mean. It, they they pull, they bring it they bring it out very well. Uh, um, I mean, I I feel more sympathetic towards David Brent as cringeworthy and awful of a person he is. Like he just I don't know. It's 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 <sighs> it's it's more like with Tim, you just want to like be like, yeah, I know how you feel. But with David, you just want to like put a blanket around his shoulders and sit him down, and just be like, dude, it's okay, you can stop trying. Yeah, yeah. If only somebody like had the courage to say that to him, and they give. <sighs> We'll get into it, and this is the other nuclear take, and I know this is going to go against exactly what I said just 30 seconds ago, but we'll get into it. Anyways. All right. So, I mean, basically, to wrap up the Christmas special, I mean, the Christmas party kicks into gear, and it's what kind of all of the, the everybody's emotions sort of take over, and all of the plot threads sort of resolve themselves. Like, uh, Dawn and Lee show up for the Christmas party, and... Uh, it's kind of been established that Dawn is not all that that happy with Lee, and yep. it's still still that that kind of will they won't lay with 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 regard to Tim. And Tim has has constantly said like I'm not going to make a move, I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to tell Dawn how I feel again because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, because and then to, to, to reiterate, yeah. at the end of season two, right before she was leaving the fucking country, he asked her out, and of course she said no because mm. she was leaving the fucking country. Yeah, right. But there's still all those <sighs> so, all the all that lingering stuff going on. It's bread. Hit it. And and they're 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 catching up at the party and they're they're really enjoying, you know, being together and and taking Gareth on a a roundabout innuendo, um, and Lee kind of comes up and breaks up the party a little bit, uh, and eventually they leave. But we find out that there was a secret Santa exchange and Tim had Dawn as her his her secret Santa. Uh, no, his secret Santa. Whatever. Tim gives Dawn an anonymous gift, but it's not so anonymous because it has a drawing that Dawn made for Tim earlier in the day. And it was, and come to find out that Dawn had given up on drawing and illustration and Tim had given her a set of pastels and said, never give up. And it has a picture that she drew of Tim. And apparently that is enough for her to leave Lee and come back to Tim and they finally resolve the will they won't they well, you say apparently that's uh, enough and... but i mean it's very clear that the only reason she is with lee is because she doesn't know what else to do she's been yeah dating, she's mean, been dating lee since high school true. it's all she's ever known and it's pretty much she's that's just like true. Oh, what else am i gonna do with my life and his, yeah, yeah and, i'm sorry and lee, lee is apparently to content show. to just like go back to the u.s and be an illegal immigrant and just hang out and have no job and she kind of doesn't want that yeah sorry Obviously. i didn't mean it was enough but that's enough to push her over the you know, fence. No, I, I, you know I get I mean. you. I, I was about to make some some crack about like, well, I, if the, if that's all it takes, you know, what the hell have I been doing with my life? No, um, this had been a long-standing <laughs> thing for two seasons of will they, won't they? Right, right, right. etc. 
So, um, but then you know we we, we get other uh, other sort of similar revelations where uh, David's latest uh, blind date shows up for the party, and she's kind of a lovely person, and he has a good time with her, and they they dance and they talk about uh, this that and the other. And he finally kind of stands up to Finch, who is is constantly making cracks about David. And he stands up to Finch and and Neil, I'll point out. Yes, at the same time. And I I do want to point out, too, with the date he gets, she's not seen the series, I think, is why they hit it off. Because he's able to actually talk to her without her having a preconceived notion of him. Yeah. Right. Because he he talks about, like, oh, she knows that he he told her that he's on the show, but she hasn't seen it. And then he starts telling her, well... You know, they they put in all the all the most the most embarrassing things that I do. They don't do they don't show all the great things that I do. Which was a hit job. Which you want to know a secret? You want to know a secret? He's not fucking wrong at all. This this is this is just from the knowledge of of reality TV having existed for another fifteen years after this is being made. But yeah, he's not fucking wrong at all. Oh yeah, no, I I totally believe. I think even in two thousand and three, most people knew that. Oh no, most people didn't. Most people didn't know it, but that didn't mean it wasn't happening too. I mean, like. Again, to go back to talk about Puck from the real world, like the first couple seasons of real world, that's kind of what they did in the early mid 90s. They would get like one person who's not white on the show and just give everyone so much fucking booze that they just went crazy and then just say like, oh, look at this crazy black guy. It's like, why don't you film all the other people being just as fucking bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it kind of it takes the the the. Blech. It kind of takes the reality TV idea and takes it to its logical extreme. Where like, of of course they're engineering drama and comedy at the expense of real people, but uh, in in doing that for like, I don't know, I don't I don't, I don't even know what point I'm trying to make here. And I could I could see honest. it as kind of a, a retaliatory thing on the part of like the documentary crew because David is so much like hamming it up that they just get tired of his shit pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like specifically, I'm thinking of shit like uh, that weird dance that he does in season two uh, during like the comic relief day, where he's just like disco dancing for himself, and nobody seems to care. Like, just he's always on, and so whenever he turn, he kind of finally shuts down. It's it 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 does reveal sort of something about his, him. As yeah, a because there's a co- there's a couple of moments where like you kind of catch the camera coming onto him while he's mid something, and he's actually being like engaging and charismatic. Like he tells a joke that the camera just catches the punchline to, and the entire office laughs at it. But as soon as yeah, the camera is yeah. on him, all he can think about doing is like quoting like ten year old sitcoms, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Which I yeah. that is that is what happens at the end of this at the end of the show. By the way, the very last thing that happens is David asks for a picture of just the old gang, um, and he gets it. And he tells it he makes a reference to like an, a seventies British sitcom, and everyone actually genuinely laughs at it because it's like well timed and funny. But then he over explains mm. the joke, and that's the <laughs> final punchline. <laughs> it's David Brent in a nutshell. So here's my nuclear take. And maybe it's not a take at all, and I don't know, and I'm kind of of two minds about it. Does this this series, this this Christmas special, gives David Brent not a happy ending, but at least like a somewhat optimistic ending? A hopeful ending. Does it... It's, it's open-ended, but does it do the series a service to give... Well, also Tim for another thing. Is the series better off without this Christmas no, special? I guess is what. It, so you're saying that this Christmas special sort of tarnishes the rest of. It would have been better if this no, series I'm, would no, have been I'm, better without no, the Christmas I, no, I'm, special. No, I'm saying this. I'm saying the series is just like an exercise in human misery without the Christmas special. Yeah, and the yeah, Christmas special, absolutely. the Christmas special dials things back because it's Christmas, and there's no, there's enough that, fucking misery in the world that we don't need more. So. I yeah, and I, I get that, but I think that this Christmas special undermines a lot of what the series was doing and a lot of the premise of the series. And that's not to say that see this this is tough because on the one hand I totally agree with everything Brad's saying, but at the same time I'm kind of on John's side here because like I I do genuinely want these people to have like a, some sort of a happy ending, and I'm glad the show at least attempts to give them that, but. Saying that, like, I realize that kind of undermines everything that the last 12 episodes has been about. Yes, and there's so much television that gives people, I mean, not nowadays, because television is weird, but back back then, at least, at least to some degree, most television well, was content to give people happy endings. I mean, And I that, feel like so, so much of the UK office, 
Say what? Is that so wrong, though? I mean, <sighs> life is fucking miserable enough, so... Who's who's to say what's what? Who's to say if it's wrong or right? But me, me I will. Point being is it was it it, <laughs> it was doing something so different, and then it takes this swerve at the end and I mean, undermines how brave it was to make a really depressing comedy during that time. What I will say you know? is you kind of saw the curve coming because they were already working in series two to make uh, David less of a like less of a total yeah he like more more they were more playing up like the fact that he is incompetent and doesn't and and wants to be liked but has no idea what to do rather than him just being like a malignant asshole pretty much which actually that brings up another point do you guys know about the peter principle i explain it it's 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 a business concept um by a guy whose last name is peter i don't remember his full name the idea being that you take someone who's good at their job and then you promote them to team lead and then they're good at team lead. They get promoted to manager. They're good at manager. They get promoted to district manager. But at some point at that line, at the, along that line, they're going to stop being good at their job and they're going to be bad at their job, but they're not going to get demoted. They're just going to stay at that job and be bad at it. Basically, uh... every, basically everyone rises to the level of their incompetence pretty much. And that's kind of interesting. It, it, that, and that is like extremely, extremely, extremely the case with Michael Scott. He is shown as being a fucking amazing salesman who gets promoted to manager, and because all he wants to do with his life is just please everybody, which you can't really do as a manager, he just flounders yeah. around. Hmm. And they were then they kind of tried tried to steer David in that direction, but they only had six episodes to do it, basically. Yeah. Um. Which and a, a corollary to that is also like the what they call like what tv tropes calls the dilbert principle which is about the pointy-haired boss which is the idea that if you have someone who for some reason usually nepotism you can't fire you instead promote them into obscurity like you give them a promotion to like you know oh well executive in charge of you know you know business development body 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 like a completely meaningless title that the idea is you get them out of the way so they can't do any real damage right which is that's uh. that the argument can be made that that's what David's promotion was in like the end of season one. Like he was getting promoted out of, out of harm's way, basically. So he couldn't <laughs> fuck getting promoted to to branch man or to regional manager, so he couldn't or to like general manager, so he couldn't fuck up the re, the branch he was at anymore. But that that's that's kind of like the the what Kevin Smith refers to as failing upwards. Yes. Like they keep they keep doing that to people who don't deserve it because well, what else are we gonna do? You know? Yeah, and especially and... true in the UK where it's it's to an extent somewhat harder to fire somebody. Um, unless you want to pay right. them um, a, unless you want to pay them severance, um, like you can't, yeah. you can't really throw someone out on the street unless they do something as blatant as like shit in the coffee maker, pretty much. Um, so that's that's why when they finally got rid of him, they gave him like a generous severance package. They said, you know. So this makes me want. This makes me. I want to ask. Um, have either of y'all seen the sort of David Brent uh, Netflix special that they put out a couple of years? Life ago? on the road. I know that it exists, but I'm not. Yeah. Seen it. I okay, so not, I, I don't I know if not. that like if that continues his story or if that's just like a, a sort of an updated version, a, an updated like its own thing, but with the same character. I don't know. I'm just curious. All I, I haven't um, seen it. I didn't know it existed. All I really know about it is with the turn Ricky Gervais's like existence has taken since 2003. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm really interested in much he has to say anymore. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of I very want yeah. to establish. Don't let the fact that Ricky Gervais is just a has turned into just an utter dipshit like tarnish anything about the office uk i mean it's not like woody it, allen or bill cosby where it's like oh this guy was a rapist all along you know it's just yeah ricky, ricky gervais has started saying stupid shit is pretty much the problem uh, i mean right. he, he he's, created he's just, a he, series that where he played a mentally handicapped person basically just to you know get the goat of people that would be upset by that and that's a shitty thing to do yeah that's true yeah I mean, he, he's basically become an insufferable dipshit, but, but he kind of always has been. It's just more pronounced than it used to be. Well, it's kind of, um, I mean, it's kind of like with Kevin Smith. You can still think Clerks or, like, Chasing Amy is good while thinking that Tusk is utter dog shit, you know? I mean... <laughs> I suppose, yeah. So, the, the Christmas special, I, I feel like we need to talk more about this as a Christmas special, because that's just what we do here on the show. Yes. Um, I, and I think it ties into, like... The idea of a show like this having a Christmas special is a pretty incredibly British thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, because I mean, I, and 
especially with British shows having their random season links and random season times, like, oh, we did this episode is three seasons, this episode is 13 seasons, and it was four years later, because that's how much plot we had. They don't they don't feel mm-hmm. beholden to the idea of like, oh, we got to put out 26, 22-minute uh, episodes a year or anything like that. British TV right, is weird, y'all. Yeah, they're not way. as... They're not as beholden to the idea that we have to get 100 episodes so we can get into syndication. Yeah, and I, right? I very much like that Netflix is starting to do that. I mean, there still are a couple of shows on Netflix, Cough Cough, anything Marvel does, Cough Cough, that feel like some slavish need to have, like, a certain amount of episodes at a certain amount of length. But then you have, like, Stranger Things, which is just like, this season's eight, this season's nine, because that's how much we had, you know? Right, or like Kimmy Schmidt, well, like, their most recent season, they're like, we'll, we'll put out six episodes this in the spring, and we'll wait for the fall to put out the last, the last six episodes. Like, so we'll just put out some here, put out some there, whenever we have a chance. Yeah, they, they don't feel the need to, to hit any magic number and, like, just fill it out with establishing shots to stretch it, to stretch out the timing, you know? Right. Or even yeah. episode length, which I think is a very constrictive thing for writers, I would imagine. Yeah. It's like... If you have a story to tell, trying to break it up into, you know, 22 or 35 minute segments is probably tough. But if you have a little more room to stretch your legs and if this segment's 26 minutes and this segment's, you know, 50, so be it. I mean, yeah. com- compared to U.S. office to U.K. office where you have so many deleted scenes from the U.S. office that are really good jokes, but they just, they're just cut because they weren't relevant to the plot. And they, so they'd have time for them. Which it's is, a shame. We should do a quick aside. Opinions on the U.S. office. The It's called hentai, and its art scene is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. I A lot of people are... Well, not anymore. I think a lot of people have come around to the U.S. office, even though they're fans of the U.K. office. I know it was cool to hate on the U.S. office a couple of years ago when you liked the UK office, but I kind of like them both for different reasons. They're different shows. They, they, start, they, go, uh, they start in the same place and go in wildly different directions. Yes. Yeah, they do. Are y'all ready for my nuclear take on The Office? Yes. The eighth season of The American Office is the best season. I don't think I've gotten that far. I watched The Office when it was current, but I dropped off at some point, and I can't remember because, why. Okay. I've, a I've lot been... of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people really hate like the The Office as it's gotten you know, longer in the tooth, like seven, eight, and nine seasons. Those are the ones that people t- tend to not like. But I, I personally love the eighth season because they introduce one of the strangest characters I've ever seen on a ma- mainstream TV show. And his name is Robert California, and I love him. <laughs> okay, now you're now you're making me want to watch the... I've been meaning to go back and watch it as like a TV comfort food thing, and I might have yeah. to do that. So basically, after uh, after Steve Carell decided to leave the show, Michael Scott's, you know, he, he exits after season seven. And the... the uh, Dunder Mifflin's looking for a new boss, and they bring in uh, uh, what's his name, Will Ferrell, for a couple episodes. They bring in Idris Elba for a couple episodes. Uh, David Brent shows up to interview for the job on one episode, and then he's gone forever. <laughs> um, but then they land on this guy. It's James Spader playing this character named Robert California, and he's just the most like es- he's just the most erudite esoteric strange human being and he will go off in random tangents about absolutely nothing because i i guess it think these things entertain him and he's not necessarily <laughs> interested in running an office at all he just wants people to listen to him talk about he things. wants a captive audience <laughs> so that's it yeah exactly yeah uh. I've got to watch this now, I guess. And, I guess. and people hate him because he's so like irrelevant to the rest of the plot of the show. But in my opinion, like that's when the show entered its death spiral, and it's just fascinating to watch. Maybe I mean, it's sort of a meta-commentary, really, where it's like, we're doing this to fill time now because for some reason NBC ordered more episodes. Yeah, so here exa- you go. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like, we made Dwight a likable character. What more do you fuckers want? Yes, and that's the thing. Like Robert California is basically like... he. He's not, but he he strikes me as like if Dwight had a dad that was into sales, this would be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is an insanely odd individual, but that's why yeah, I, I mean. Enjoy I it. guess what we're trying to say is look forward to some new stuffers pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, overall, I would say I, with yeah, the, I don't know. the U.S. office, the big deal is that because it went on for so long, you spent so much more time with every character that you kind of have you kind of. It's a problem that a lot of shows and a lot of things have with making the main character an antagonist or a villain. It's like, let's let's say Breaking Bad. You spend so much time with Walter White, you end up kind of convincing yourself that he's the hero of the story rather than just like he's the guy the camera focuses on the most. Exactly, yeah. 
And that kind of happens with the U.S. office where every character has like a redemption arc pretty much or becomes like a, a sympathetic, likable character regardless of yeah like how like by season nine like the secondary and, and tertiary characters have like fully formed like lives yeah it's really kind of do yeah. here's a here's an interesting thought experiment for you okay if for some reason i and let's put aside the fact that merchant and gervais only wanted this to be short and sweet let's say the bbc ordered six more seasons of the uk office do you think it would have taken this same you do you think the general arc would have ended up the same where they would add more to everybody's lives and would eventually come around on all of these characters and say Ab- well yeah they they have inner lives and they're essentially good you know absolutely because uh first off gervais and merchant were instrumental in creating the u.s office they were involved in every step of the way um so it's kind of a logical extension of what their ideas were and i mean like i said that interview in the av club gervais was talking about the i mean he even spelled out gareth like you know gareth is a pompous dickhead but he's not a bad person you know you know he basically said right yeah the, the only characters you're meant not to like are are like i said finch because finch is just another asshole and david just because or not david but uh neil just because neil, neil is a dick to david and david's who's the character follows hmm. mm-hmm. or who the camera follows i mean good good answer good answer cool (laughs) but i mean in in that case it kind of means that we're you know in 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 our imaginary season eight of the british office that means that um what's the guy's name keith is gonna be like an instrumental character in the cast and i don't know that i'm ready for that Because a lot of these a lot of the characters that are just kind of milling about the wernham hog office are really not characters they're just I mean, they're actors paid to to represent the office staff, but they're basically just people working in an office. And yeah, like a lot of the tertiary characters are just their their character name is the same as the actor's name. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the same as in the U.S. office, I think. But like, I think that's one of the things that makes this version of the office so unique is that it really nails that feeling of just like taking place in an actual office i mean it's it's the u.s office over 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 its nine seasons really became kind of a cartoon of itself but this really does feel i don't know i don't want to say more realistic but uh, there it is tim absolutely spells it out the end of the christmas special he says you know your workplace there's nothing special about your workplace the people there are just the people that you because you're there for money and they are there for money as well are the people you spend eight hours a day with and there's really no while while it's not wrong if you make friends out of those people there's really no reason you feel like both like the, you, you don't really shouldn't feel like obliged to make friends out of those people and i think the u.s office being based on u.s office culture is just like oh yes all of my co-workers are my friends because i, I spend so much time here that i've basically stockholm center myself yeah yeah, yeah. i was about to say that <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty much it right there <laughs> oh man um hmm. So yeah, as, as far as a Christmas special goes, uh, what do you, what do we think about this? I mean, I, I guess it's time to start getting into the crankometer, crankometer, and 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 quote unquote analysis. But I really don't know. Uh, I would say where it, we can go. I, I would say it kind of ties into the general idea of like Christmas being a time for things to get better. Um, that yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of media carries. That's true, and, and this this it this the Christmas special does. Of the, uh, what, 14 episodes of The Office, like, the Christmas special is, like, the, the I guess, the emotional high point, the, the, the feeling that these things, that things are going to turn out okay for a lot of these characters is, like, only in the Christmas special. Like, it is, by and large, earlier. the only optimistic piece of, of this entire yeah. series. Pure, purely by virtue of it being the Christmas special. If this were just, like, an, an extra episode of the show, I don't feel like we would be saying these things. Yeah. Mm. Uh, obviously, we, we, we wouldn't be saying these things because <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about it because it was not a Christmas special. Precisely. Hmm. <sighs> um. Okay. Crankometer. Let's crankometer. Yeah, we sh- we didn't mention this at the get the beginning of the show, but uh, we, yeah, this is not a stocking stuffer. This is a a a hundred percent legitimate episode of uh, Christmas Creeps. Uh, so we are going to treat this like a, a typical episode. So. Welcome By to virtue the of your, for some reason, are not aware, this the totality of the two episodes is, what, 90 plus minutes? And it's 95 minutes. Yeah. 45 and 50. Yeah. It's, so, it's feature length. Yes. 
So there you have it. Um, there you have it is that. it is an actual episode because we say it is. So yeah, welcome to the Crankometer, where uh, our patented scale where we rank these films, quote unquote films, on an X and Y axis. Uh, the X axis is where we rate how Christmassy the item is, versus the Y axis, which is where we rate how good uh, the thing is. Quality versus Christmas is kind of what we do here. So, gentlemen, uh, the Office Christmas special, how Christmassy is the Office Christmas special? Other than the general feeling that things get better, like you said, I don't know other than like a framing device that this is particularly Christmassy at all. In fact, the first episode, the first half of it, really doesn't have any trappings of Christmas whatsoever. No, not at all, no. Right, they only barely mention the the fact that there is a Christmas party on the way. Yes. In the first episode. And even, even in the second episode, which is, I, well, whatever. Even in the second episode, uh, the Christmas party itself kind of takes a, is just sort of uh, background uh, theming around all everything else that's been going on. I mean, honestly, you could probably get away with this if it was just like a where are they now office reunion party you know yeah i don't know and the, and the party could be like a going away party for any other cast member or or care or you know employee yeah. at the I office mean, yeah i mm. the only thing i would say is it feels like for a lot of offices christmas is the one concession they'll have with for like basically employee morale pretty much that's 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 definitely true true that is like that's, that's the one holiday barring in the u.s maybe uh thanksgiving i guess where offices will you know cater food and and have and throw a party for the office workers yeah so there's that hmm. uh i don't know I, but i don't but then at the same time there's i wouldn't necessarily put this in the into the negatives here oh no no for anyways, I if, would you, if you're not using a zero yeah, you're or not a using one. christmas you're not misusing christmas like we said exactly Correct. exactly so yeah, I, I'm willing to give this at least a one or a two. I, the two is as high as I'm going to go on this, because yeah, uh, I would yeah, I would I would say it goes a little into the positives because it like I said, it would be weird to have this vibe and not be a Christmas episode because Christmas and kind of this like everything's everything might actually turn out okay after all kind of go in hand hand in hand to an extent. Yeah, sure. it has the feeling of Christmas even if it's not very yeah. Christmas. And, and, and I do want to stress that too, like. The, the overall message of the episode is not like things get better. It's that things might get better because yeah. Don and Tim yeah. finally get together. David has like a good night, but that's it. You know, it, the next day could be just as bad again. And it, I think I know about the yeah. life on the road show is that David mentions that that relationship he was in with Carol did not last very long at all. Okay. Uh, I mean, I do like that. It didn't have a totality to it. Yeah. And, you know, even Tim and Don might not end up together. I don't know why I want the UK office to be bleak, but that's like, if the UK it, office can't be bleak, then, like, what are we doing, you know? Well, yeah, so much of it is bleak that the fact that it kind of, like, pulls up from that nosedive at the very end is a little is a little bit jarring. It's like, in for a penny, in for a pound. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't my know. response, will that will just be like, if I wanted to be that miserable, I'd go the fuck outside. I guess, I guess, like, and I'm all for, like, escapism in media, but every once in a while, it's good to have, like, a cold splash of reality in your media where it's, I don't know, I, I, I think that comes from a point of privilege and a charmed life, that I can say that. I will fucking agree with you. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But, <laughs> I, yeah, and, and I... I... <laughs> And I can't appreciate like anytime a comedy can ask me to take itself take it seriously and actually invest like some emotion in its characters and pull it off, I will appreciate that. So, like to give its characters even the smallest sliver of a win in this sort of grand design of a, a series where it's it's honestly fairly bleak. A, a meat I'm going grinder to I'm of going comedy. To, I'm going to take it, you know. So I'm you know I'm gonna. As the host of this show, I'm going to put my foot down and say, this is definitely a two on the Christmas scale. Okay. okay. I can live with that. And then uh, quality-wise, and this is going to be a little trickier because I don't necessarily have a bad thing to say about I this. liked it. 
I, I liked it a it. lot. I just it, it's one of them. Honestly, it's one of the more having having never seen it before. It was one of the more enjoyable things I think I've ever watched uh, for this podcast mm-hmm. because I'd been meaning to watch it, and by some weird happenstance, it's like past me knew that this was going to happen eventually. I never watched. I watched all of The Office UK, and it's probably just because it wasn't available on Netflix yet. But I had not watched the Christmas special. Mm. Okay, so um, I guess in in your estimation that that channel that sort of changes things a little because you had this image of the office in your head, and then these years later you tack on the Christmas oh, special and it changes. That, that, the that's a good a point. Absolutely, I watched all of this all together in one row, like when I watched it. Yeah, like, episode season one, episode one, all the way through Christmas special. Yeah, no, didn't happen for me. I watched everything up into the up till the Christmas special, and now just now, ten years later, I've watched the Christmas special. And I guess that's why it robs me of the the image that I had of the office a little bit. The UK office, I should say. I can understand that. But I didn't I guess... hate it. I enjoyed it a lot. I liked it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was good. And I'm okay with these characters having a win, if not a happy ending. It just... I, I'm, I don't know. I'm having the dumbest like reference point for this. And it's from the fucking show Friends. Okay. Uh, okay. Where there's one episode where Phoebe discovers that Old Yeller has an ending where the dog dies because she watched it when it was a, <laughs> when she was a kid, but her mom always turned the movie off like like fifteen twenty minutes before the end before Old Yeller gets rabies, and she she yes. assumed it was a happy ending like Old Yeller saves the kids from the fucking whatever and it's a happy ending. She didn't find out until later that the dog dies. <laughs> That's you right. Except now. it's the opposite here. <laughs> I don't know that I want Tim and David Brent to be miserable forever, but I I don't know, man. I feel like I can come up with that in my own mind rather than having a Christmas special do it for me. I feel like it robs me of something a little bit. Well, I, I think also just the fact that David Brent's story obviously doesn't end here. Um, there's that. But then you have the Tim and Dawn thing, and that's they, they've pretty much set that one in stone. Um I don't know. I, see, I don't have necessarily much bad to say about this episode, other than the fact that, um, you know, when it's asking me to care about David Brent, I kind of have a hard time doing it because it's so closely tied with my image of Ricky Gervais as a person. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it's it's hard for me to separate oh, the two. Maybe that's why I don't want David Brent to have a happy ending now, because I know how J- Ricky Gervais is as a person now maybe and it's too it's too closely knit together even though i'm a human adult who should be able to separate fiction from reality yeah i mean it's like it's like people who back in the day would send richard atherton hate mail because they really hated walter peck yeah (laughs) um but but it's again the other way around i i want david brent to be miserable because i don't like ricky gervais (laughs) um (laughs) what so we have to land on a on a number for this though and i think we're all kind of avoiding it <laughs> i liked it i would give it at least a three maybe a four i liked it a lot yeah, it was funny only, it was good like, about the only detractions i could say from it is there are a lot of jokes that are just kind of very 2003 yeah uh yeah like the, every every time they take gareth tim and don't take gareth on that uh that leading course of questions that end with them kind of making gay jokes at him it's, it's, it's very, very 2003. 2003 yeah and i i don't want to say it's i don't want to no i don't want to say it it's like you definitely would not you definitely would not do that this these days yeah, it's, I'm just it's, stop. it's I'm not, not aged well is all you can really say is the best thing to say about it yeah that's yeah. the best thing you can say is it's not aged well but other than that that's pretty much it yeah that's pretty much the only set of jokes that hasn't aged well uh, i mean a lot oh. of the stuff with David dating kind of falls flat to an extent, but it's because David is such just a shallow dipshit. It kind of yeah, that's yeah. I feel like that still scans at this in this day and age because David is just like such a cringeworthy person that it's like or like the jokes that he's making with like his dog and then he he talks about how he named him Nelson after Mandela and he's like looking up at his his African coworker for like affirmation. Yeah. It's like. It, 
it's so yeah. cringeworthy, but it's so it's it's David in a nutshell. It's David yeah. Brent, like I'm, I'm, absolutely I mean, I, I guess, to a T. I guess what I would say is because um, I've just watched Stranger Things recently, um, the mm-hmm. character of Billy is not as violently racist, like like language wise, as he should be for someone who's that racist in the eighties. Yeah, like they like, and and it's a problem with having modern like like stuff made in modern in like the current day set in the past is you kind of have trouble putting like what was common language at the time into the characters' mouths because people are going to rightfully be offended by it when it was mm-hmm. relatively common at the time. Right, right, and there's not much recourse against that yeah. either. And I'm not saying that I wish we could say those things because obviously I don't. But I mean, because I, I don't know, I don't know what the defense. Yeah, because like is, when you when you honest. don't have the like the writer or the director pull those punches, you end up with like Django Unchained, which it does get really uncomfortable. How many times Quentin Tarantino puts racial slurs into his own character's mouth? Yes, yes, especially when they're played by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. I mean, yes. yeah. You you can kind of feel that like yeah this is how people in these positions at this time would have really acted they like this is kind of what they would have sounded like but watching it now in this that doesn't make it that doesn't make it acceptable now it's just that's yep that's 2003 that definitely is right and uh so where do you guys stand on the quality quotient of the honestly like i i i enjoyed this quite a lot uh compared to the rest of the series uh i'm gonna give it at least i'm gonna say a three or a four here that's did you land. did you give them the 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 sort of the the context to this that you marathon this entire series in preparation for this episode, which is uh, admirable? I did not, but yes, I did. I definitely did do that uh, over the course of basically a long weekend. Um, I didn't sit down, start episode one, and finish it with the Christmas special like Jonathan did. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I did that the yeah. first time I watched it, but this time I only watched the Christmas special. Oh, uh, okay. There okay. you go. But yeah, I did. This this was my first time watching the entire series proper. Like I had seen bits and pieces of it before, but not all the way through. Gotcha. Um, sorry. Where where were we on the Christmas question? I said three to four. Oh, Christmas. I think we landed on two. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I meant quality. Uh, quality, quality. Yeah, three, three, to, three to four. To four I, th- I feel like is is going to be where it's yeah for me. I'd be happy in somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um. Like I said, the hmm. um, you could kind of detract from it if you feel that it kind of tarnishes the 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 joylessness that the regular series has in it. And I'm not saying that is necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying that's that's what the show was going for. It was going for making right. you miserable because working in an office is so fucking miserable. Yes, yeah, and that that's that's my point. And that, I guess. but that I, I would say that's kind of that's kind of refuted by Tim's last speech where he says, you know, you know it's just the place you work and it doesn't need to be any more than that one way or the other, you know? Mm. Until it is. I'm going to go in, in light of that. In fact, I'm going to go for the three on the lower end then on the quality, because I do feel like it, I don't know. I feel like the series would have been a little, not, not much more, but a little bit better without, without this Christmas special. I did enjoy it though. Just to say, fuck you, Brad, I'm going to go with four. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that looks like joey wade's our tiebreaker what's it gonna be oh my god uh okay fine i'll say a four okay i'll do it on our patented crankometer uh the office christmas special scores a positive two positive four so mark that down on your xy axis and uh we will move on to bigger and better things on our next episode <laughs> <laughs> i hope maybe probably not better because it was pretty good probably not better because that's kind of that's what that's, that's just who we are as people <laughs> you know this is this is us coming up for air after two really dire pieces of crap oh, yeah. we're gonna dive right back into it with the next one though oh mm-hmm. baby yes and we're not even gonna tease it because like we said uh previously we really don't know until a few days out but we're actually gonna oh, no, do. we know though, though. <laughs> we're not we're not telling you but we know <laughs> it's horrible it's yeah. yeah whatever it is it's probably gonna be horrible uh so that's gonna do it for us uh here for christmas creeps um if you have any questions or comments you can get at us on twitter at christmas creeps email them to us at xmascreeps at gmail.com go to itunes or stitcher or youtube or google play uh we are on all of those services and sites uh like comment subscribe do all that fun stuff let people know that this is a show that you enjoy and think is worth listening to 
Um, tell a friend about the show if you haven't lately. Uh, we've been doing this for almost, well, we've been doing it for four solid years. This is our fifth year. We've got plenty of episodes that you can recommend. Um, so if there's a Christmas movie out there that you love, that you th- that you think we would love, let us know. Uh, I'm running out of things to tell so, you to do well, about you should, this show. You should tell two friends and tell them to tell two friends. Yes. Yes. This is welcome to the Christmas creeps pyramid of, of recommendations. Um, that is how this show grows. That's how every, everything it, it was basically a pyramid with, with me on top and J five and Bradford sitting kind of on the second tier. And then uh, eh, who's on that third tier. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll figure it out sooner or later. Uh, could be you. Yes. <laughs> That's how this works. And then works. Karen was over there smart enough to take a nap instead of recording with us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ka- Double Karen yes. exists. Karen exists outside of the pyramid. Yes, Karen has evolved beyond the pyramid. Mm-hmm. She's a higher being than us. She's this the eye the that sits atop the pyramid. Yes, there we go. An all-knowing, <laughs> all-seeing deity. The all-seeing creepazoid eye. We have some fun events coming up in the coming months, so definitely stay tuned for that. I'm very excited about. Uh, an event that we have going on in the spring. That's all I'm going to say for it for now. But uh, you will, you'll have a treat. Oh, no. it's, it's a treat. This is happening. I'm, I'm not going to say what it is, but I know what it is, and I will, t- I will tease it by saying this: it will be personally painful for years. Truly, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a real good time. Can't wait to see you there, guys. <laughs> so until next time uh, for Christmas creeps, I'm Joseph Wade. I'm Bubble from Big Brother. <laughs> And I'm doing an impression of Austin Powers. Hey, baby. <laughs> Blokes, birds, chicks. I didn't know that Austin Powers Groovy. had a Fonz- an Arthur Fonzarelli face. <laughs> Groovy. <laughs> Shagadelic. Hail to the king, baby. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.